can we just get back to the lawyers being nasty to each other? Sure. I find that a major problem with your industry. Oh, with my industry? Well, I get dragged into it all the time. Why? Well, I, maybe I'm just CC'd in all these emails, but one lawyer against another lawyer, it is absolutely, it's two dogs Ugly. going hammer and tong at each other. And then, from what I understand, you guys will do that all day and then go out and have a beer together at the pub together. And it's all cool. Yeah. You know? That's why in court we call each other... So-and-so. My learned friend. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Accounting Insider Show. So this is another thing that a lot of investors are unaware of. There's got to be an easier way. It's achievable for anyone. It doesn't cost anything to set up a business. Because there are many great ideas out there, but it's the people that make ideas happen. Because once you unlock this formula, there's no reason to stop. You just get better and better at it. You just make so much money out of it. My guest today is Sarah Bartholomews, the goddess of governance and the principal of ULegal, a commercial law firm which, among other things, helps medical doctors to legally protect their patients, their practice and their profits. In 2014, Sarah was awarded the SA Telstra Businesswoman's Award in the startup category. She's the author of three best-selling books on governance, including Growing a Medical Practice from Frustration to a High-Performance Business. As board chair for the Catalyst Foundation and governance director for the APAC region of the Entrepreneurs' Organisation, Sarah is committed to spending significant time supporting her community. She's also a podcast host, starting Accountants on Purpose in 2019. Today we are talking to Sarah Bartholomews about a whole range of things. This is the actually our third podcast that we've done. It is. It's becoming a regular thing. I love actually sitting down and talking to you, Sarah, because you're such an amazing person. And you've got an amazing story to tell and you do all these amazing things. And I feel in awe of you on so many different levels, but marketing mainly. I know that you're a lawyer, but it always comes back to marketing. And I look at what you're doing on Facebook and I, I look at your website and I, it just it's just going crazy. And now you're doing the podcast as well. True. And last time we got together, the, the tides actually cha- changed because I felt like I was the expert. You've done heaps of podcasts in the meantime. I have. So you're well-versed in this and you've got the voice of the radio announcer voice. <laughs> Do you know, I actually did student radio did you really? when I was at uni. So I'm very experienced in the podcast chair. Good. Okay. Well, can we just talk about the podcast to start with, please? Sure. Because... How's it gone? It's amazing. It's can I, well, can I just talk about it a little bit? Yeah, you, sure. You've Let's done a do podcast that. with, believe it or not, not lawyers, but accountants. Yeah. Why did you choose accountants? Well, I f- was thinking about my business journey to date. I've been in business for six years and the main supporters that I have found in my practice is not other lawyers, but actually accountants. So accountants refer work to us and we have a, a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's been just a lovely way to give back and also hero a profession that doesn't get a lot of heroing. Well, I mean, they must be the most, um, well, you know, what's the saying? The accountants don't have any personality. But you are one. Well, I feel like I've got a personality, but I feel like I'm unique. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. I guess all the people that you in- invited on the show are were really good anyway, and they've all got a good story to tell. Yeah, and and focusing on accountants who have a purpose mm-hmm. uh, that's higher than profit in their practice, with their teams, in the world, has made that a lot easier probably. 
Uh, the thing that I loved, because I listened to a lot of them, I haven't listened to the season two, but I did like listening to all the quirkiness about, you know, how these guys go home and practice guitar and listen to. And I'm mm-hmm. listening to, well, there was one guy on there, I can't remember his name, but he was talking about um, how he loved listening to um, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yeah. And Matthew Holden. Yes. And there was a, I went back and. Um, I listened to, I think it was a whole documentary on Netflix. Yes, that's very good. And it was amazing. Yeah, one plus one equals three. Yes. And I listened to, like, the whole Netflix documentary was just absolutely riveting and told the whole story of his life and um, music just sort of evolved out of his hard work ethic and his New Jersey upbringing. And it was just fascinating. I was glued to the, the series. So I, I was getting bits and pieces about those sorts of you know, side hustles that these people were doing or sideline jobs or interests passions. that they had. Yeah, passions. And so I got a lot out of it from that point of view. And it was also nice to hear about other accountants and what their journey involves and what they think about and, you know, what they feel like they specialise in. It's just nice to compare that to how I feel about what I'm doing. Yeah, especially when you run your own show like you and you don't, might not have many peers who are, or that you get the opportunity to talk to. So today's about you. I don't want to do all the talking. Sure. Um, what did you learn from that whole podcast experience? I learned that it takes a lot of commitment mm. and that it can be a lot of fun and you can also have experiences with people that you never anticipated that are really special that then you get to share with your listeners. So do you feel that your relationship with all of those people has gone to a deeper level? Absolutely. There was one person who I was interviewing and we got to the end and I said, oh, what's something that I should have asked you? She said, oh, I don't know. I said, well, what would you say to your 18-year-old self? And she burst into tears. And I, and she goes, you're trying to make me cry. And I said, no, I'm not. And I was like horrified. <laughs> and she said, oh, my mum died when I was 23. And my dad died when I was 25. And so I would say, you're going to be okay. And then I burst into <laughs> tears. <laughs> and then when she was leaving, she said, you're so lucky that you get to do this. And I'd never really thought of it like that until that moment. Do, um, have you had any people from the other side of the globe contact you or people in Australia? Yes. Okay, can you tell us about that, please? Um, there was a firm from San Francisco recently that reached out to say, could we, could they be part of the show? Right. And so we've gone back with the seasons that we've got coming up because we do it by season. It's mm. sort of you either fit in or you don't. And we've got maybe four or five seasons in production at the moment. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just sort of figuring out whether or not they fit in. Someone from the entrepreneur season I interviewed was from Canada, was someone from New Zealand. So there's been a few international guests. So these people from San Fran, are they lawyers? Accountants. Accountants over there? Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, people who want to be on the show. <laughs> Do you think you'll be able to line it all up? I don't know. Well, we've done a few international interviews so far, so can't see why not. Okay. Um, what about, this is the one thing that I've noticed is um, from a... Um, personal point of view, it's been like doing a Toastmasters course. Do you relate to that? I guess so, but I probably do a lot more speaking as a lawyer Anyway, than you need to, maybe. Okay. So yeah. 
feel like we got a lot of training in that so at do, uni. Do, do you think that um, – would you recommend people doing it? Yeah, definitely. There's not too many podcasts out there? I think there's a lot of podcasts out there. But I think if you know who your audience is and you want to add value for them and you know that you can – then just get over the imposter syndrome, which I had for about two years before I started it, and do it. I was always a bit nervous and insecure and didn't like taking the floor in meetings, but that's all flipped around now. And, and all that's really happened for me is now I try to describe things in a storytelling format mm. and people can sort of relate to that and I get sort of more buy-in from people when they're listening to what I'm saying. Mm. And... Um, so now also, like before I'll give an answer to a question, if this is an interview or a podcast, it's all the sort of same, same sort of kettle of fish. Um, I'll stop and I'll think, and I'll think to myself, is there a story that I can actually introduce into this situation? Mm. Do you, does that? Create the, what they call in radio, the theatre of the mind. Is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> now you used to have your own radio show. Yes. Can we touch on that? Sure. Okay. Please tell us. I decided I wanted to do a radio show when I was in the first year of uni and I went across to 5UV at the time, the university I remember radio that. station, yes. and I said to the manager, I want a show, and she was like, well, we've already got all the shows allocated, but this guy, Steve Hocking, is looking for a co-host. And I was like, I'm it. And we were opposite. Mm-hmm. Like, so we would just argue and about everything. So our show was called Take It Outside and it was – at a glamorous time of like 11 o'clock on a Saturday night or something like that. Um, but, yeah, learn to panel then and uh, so talk they, on the mic without being really terrified. Yeah, and uh, so some of those skills are sort of being reinvigorated as yeah, part of your podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I, I've had on my podcast, I've had people mm. contact me from all around the world. Yeah, and doctors. It's been, yeah, and lot everyone wants to get on the bloody show. <laughs> And I've had to push them back because it'll be, but it's not like, um, you know, this lawyer or accountant from San Fran, it's his agent. And you can just tell that they're, yeah, and they're in business of sending out a hundred messages to everyone and just seeing who hooks up. I had one of those people Mm. uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, call the office twice and send an email one morning all before nine o'clock. And I was stalking you. Give me time to respond, please. Mm. Mm. I think that you fit perfectly into the podcast role and I love that you're doing, you take it to the next level and you're doing YouTube and Facebook. and I mean, I just think it's great. It's great. I mean, it's inspiring me because I've always just done it in a dark room with the lights out with my guests and it's fantastic <laughs> fun. And now all of a sudden I've got to, you know, think of other things like where to look and what to say yeah. and am I wearing the right outfit? You certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, season one was about accountants Mainly within the health sort of yeah. space. Is, is season two just general accountants? No. More accountants in the health space? Uh, no. no. It's entrepreneurial Entrepreneurs. accountants. Yes. So one of the guys I interviewed went to high school with Steve Jobs. Oh, no way. And lives here in Adelaide. And plenty of stories to tell. Lots of stories. Mate, I'm in awe of Steve Jobs. I know. I love my iPhone. Me too. And I went and visited the mothership in San Fran. Did you? Oh, it's incredible. You know, like they've built this office in a ring in the middle of the scrub and there's a car park underneath and there's solar panels on top. And it's just incredible. And I think it was like, I think it cost the same as what our hospital did here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's expensive. <laughs> Which my land tax bills are going towards they recovering. Correct. 
Um, now, moving away from the podcast, just back to you, legal. You're in the, um, you know, you specialise in the medical industry. Do you have any case studies with doctors you've been working on, with or on that you've really found that you've brought some value to the table that you can share with us? Sure. There's, a, there's sort of two ways that doctors come to us and there's an example of a doctor who was working with another doctor in a practice and didn't have a shareholders agreement and then one of the doctors just walked out and left and so there's been this big kind of dispute we've been working with them on to try and work out how to split the assets Mm -hmm. and the value of the business and it's been going for three years Mm -hmm. and cost a fortune. Mm. Um, So that's not what we prefer to do, which is why we're on purpose. We want people to plan for every eventuality, even though we do have a client. I was once reviewing her lease and said, this could go wrong, this could go wrong, this could go wrong. And she's like, I prefer to think optimistically. (laughs) And I'm like, I understand that. But let's like talk about why you even gave this to me to review in the first place. Let's like try and think about what might go wrong and then try and avoid it going Mm, wrong. Absolutely. So then there's another doctor that we worked with in the Gold Coast who was quite entrepreneurial and wanted to set up her practice but had no idea what to do from a compliance point of view. And so we worked with her step by step to work through every legal document that she would need, including policies and procedures, uh, having um, her website terms and conditions and privacy policy done, having uh, proper employment and services agreements done, having um, her will up to date and all these kind of foundation documents that give you a platform to thrive in your business. So we've created that now as a a program that doctors can do and it takes about eight months to get the main nine points of their business organised, including working with their accountant to make sure the structure's right and they're going to be paying the right amount of tax. Um, the, you know, no one wants to pay more tax than they need to, no, but absolutely. you do need to be properly structured um, so that they can have that platform to grow from. So are we talking pro forma documents? They're not pro forma because we, we need to customise them for everyone. They're but, customised. But, but what I'm getting at is, you, you know, um, you've got a bit of a roadmap there yeah, with nine points the, yes. that everyone needs to sort of tick off. Yes. And, and we've got... With, we, because we do it all the time, mm. we can do it at a more effective kind of rate and yeah, yeah. more like personalised than just yeah everyday lawyer probably. Yeah, and and uh, well, what I'm finding is the more you specialise in an industry, mm. I mean, the first couple of doctors that I worked with, I had to admit this, but I didn't really know what I was doing. No, you were just figuring but it out. But as you get files coming in from other accountants mm. and then you're doing it all the time, mm. you just get better and better yeah, at it. Yeah, and that's like we even have kind of a stream for specialists mm-hmm. and a stream for GPs and like there's different kind of a stream for m- multiple owners versus single owners and so th- that's how we've kind of created it and it's called Thrive. Thrive. Yeah. W- okay. Please, is that like a link on your website or how do yeah, you Yeah, get- people will find that. Okay. And it, so other, because I'm, I'm thinking of myself here, but <laughs> have you got Thrive at the top of the documents? No. It's just, that's, thr- so when it's you- It's just like, that's a, that's like, rather than just coming to us for a one-off services agreement, yeah. 
it's just an opportunity. Would you like to work through Thrive with us? Yeah. Who's going to say no to that? I know, right? Yeah. And then, and then that's what doctors are time poor. Yeah. And they just want someone in their corner like yeah. yourself who goes and says, hey, you need it's to think of all need. these things. We've got systems and procedures in mm. place to cover all of those. Mm. I mean, it must be tricky doing that because the employment law in Queensland would be different to the employment law in South Australia. It's not that difficult. Similar. We've got lawyers all around Australia, so yeah. Okay. And, the, and it's set up into practice, people, profit. So focus on getting the practice right, the people side right, so you can grow and then making, making the money. Perfect. You're really good at networking. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I've got to hand it to you. Everywhere I look, <laughs> as soon as I look at Facebook every night, there's a new post. What's Sarah up to? <laughs> oh, every day. Well, it seems like that. It's at least once a week. <laughs> at least. And you do a lot of travelling. You do a lot of public speaking. I do. Can you just go back to the networking thing? Sure. And sort of just tell us what you've learnt from that whole... Look, it seems like you're, you know, you've got your... Uh, your toe definitely in the water with the whole social media thing. What's worked for you and what hasn't? There's a lot of questions there. But networking-wise, yeah. I think what I've found is you can't put a different networking conference or session every week in your calendar that's different. Where you get value from networking is I get value from networking is meeting the same people over, over and over again so that I get deeper relationships with them. Okay. So that then they sort of get to know, like, and trust you. And that's where networking kind of creates value, that where they think of you for things, whether that's a speaking engagement or or Sarah might know somebody who is a accountant who specialises in doctors and property Mm. investment. Mm -hmm. So... I'll ask her. So people thinking of you as an expert in certain areas that you want to be thought of an expert in. But it seems like you're sort of going back to old school networking. What do you mean? Well, you, you know, like it, say there's a um, drinks function at the wine centre. Yeah. You'll go there and you'll bump into people from Adelaide that yeah. you meet on a regular basis yeah. and spend time with them and hang out with but them. But you were talking more about social networking. Oh, well, yeah. I, well, th- that's that's the sort of the thought that came to mind yeah. when we were started talking about it is um, – just the whole, like, with your presence on Facebook mm. and probably LinkedIn as well. I haven't checked that too much. but um, And then I don't know whether you're on Twitter or whatever. But uh, are you getting leverage off of being so active in that space online? So I suppose how I use it for business, which mm. I think is your question, is I have groups okay. on Facebook yeah. that are, like, we people that we can help. Is this, are we getting on to BFD here? Or is no. Else? What, are, what are some of the groups like, that we're talking well, about? I've got a group that You've I group. run called You Legal for Doctors. Hang on. And anyone on Facebook can join that. So I've got about eight or 900 people on there. Really? And they then ask me questions if they need help with things or I put things in there that are interesting to them that they might want to talk about. Yeah. So, or pro forma documents that they can kind of create or might worried, need. I'm worried about that because I feel like you'd be flat out answering 800 questions every night. No, it's, it's not, not. It's not like that? No, and people answer each other's questions. It's, okay. Yeah. It like So I think you can use social media for 
that sort of thing as well. So, but, but anyone can join the group? Doctors. They have to be doctors? Yeah. Okay. This sounds very similar to BFD. Is it It's sort of modelled on that to some extent? Yeah, sort of. I Works suppose in where I was getting questions that came from BFD that I couldn't answer but knew that there was a wider audience that would be interested. Yeah, okay. I was like, well, why don't we just create that as a separate channel? Okay. Um, are you out most nights of the week networking? No. One night? I two. aim for one. Okay. And you limit it? Yes. Do you do long lunches? I depend. No, I mean two hours max. Yeah, okay. I know this is a common thing. <laughs> Maybe once lawyers. a week. <laughs> no, it's a lawyer thing. Not six well, hours. It was timesheets, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm. But we don't do those. So you limit it. <laughs> you must get lots and lots of invitations, but you work out strategically which ones are going to fit best with yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and my travel schedule. And um, are you lining up with... Um, like, uh, you know how there's a real, like Adelaide's trying to become a San Francisco and there's, is it stone and chalk or something? Oh, yeah. Are you a part of that movement? I have clients who are, but not really. Not so much yourself. Okay. Cool. Um, we've touched on the podcast on the accountants. Now, oh, that's right. 75 books read in oh, 2019. Yes. That was a lot of books. and That was on your Christmas card, wasn't it? It was mm-hmm. on my Christmas card. But I, what I found from that, I wanted to read 52. I wanted to read a book a week, week, right. But I found that I was probably finishing books that I I wouldn't have if I didn't have that goal. Like I'd just read it to the end just because I said, you know, it was just another tick. And we're not talking audio books. We're talking books in the flesh, like on your Kindle. or Okay, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't spend much time in the car though. I don't. (laughs) Well, I guess you could be listening... As I walk, as, as you I walk, run. As yeah. you walk, as you walk, as you run. Okay. And now, so let's yes. deep dive in the books. Sure. Which books do you think are must-reads for me? For you. Mm. Or for anyone out there. I really liked Michelle Obama's book. What's that one called? It's called Becoming. Becoming, okay. Uh, and just she talks about this moment where she was standing with a Secret Service agent and um, he turned to her and said ma'am, your life's about to change. And for the first time ever, she saw the presidential cavalcade, which is all of the ambulance, everything, like there's police cars, there's the car that they go in. And she just did not realise at that moment that how much things were going to change, like that she couldn't even just go and have a cup of tea in the garden anymore. This is before her... Presidential yeah, journey right. began just as, as, it was as they're starting. driving down the road to pick her up in her first public appearance or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was just really interesting. Like, never would have known that or thought about it. I think I watched another Netflix documentary on Barack Obama. I'm fascinated by that whole story, mm. um, where he grew up and the whole story behind it. I know. He's, a, he's very confident, amazing president, great but public we, speaker, great public speaker. Okay, another book? There is another one. I never remember the name of this one, so I did screenshot it to remind myself. Um, It's called Invisible Women, Exposing Data Bias in a World Designed for Men by Caroline Perez. And it was really interesting from the perspective of how 
things can be better when diverse viewpoints are taken into account. So an example that she talks about is there was a country in Denmark that had always designed the way that the snow was cleared for commuters. Mm-hmm. So the majority of people who commute from the suburbs into the city on snow days are men because generally people who stay at home are women just from a kind of cultural point of view and older people and they had in the city council this way this project where they were thinking about things in a different way and so they cleared the snow one winter from the footpaths first and then to the road. And they found that the number of hospital admissions was dramatically reduced because people who were pushing prams or pushing wheelchairs or walking dogs weren't slipping. So simple. I know. So that reading that book, not so much the feminist side, but just the the diversity of thought side has made me think, I'd like to write a book about that somehow, about how using different perspectives can create a better world. Mm, yeah. Um, have you seen um, Inside Bill's Brain? Yes. Netflix? Did you like that? I liked it. I think that he really sort of does a similar sort of um, assimilation to what you're talking yeah. about with Melinda. Yes. You know, and Because he designed that new toilet. Yes. And, and she was saying all these points of view that the women think of when they go to the toilet. Yeah. And Bill had even, hadn't even considered them. It's like, you know, if someone, if there's a chance that someone's going to look over the top of the toilet door, yeah. women won't use it. Yeah. So Bill's going, oh, I didn't even think of that. So, yeah, but I can Bill see what Bill is saying. diverse in a different way. Mm. I suspect he's got neurodiversity. So he already thinks in a different way than other people. Yeah, he does. But uh, did you think, oh, sorry, something I took away from that yes. series was um, how amazing is it that he loads up a big bag of books. That he's, I know. Uh, like every, and he takes a week and goes and stays in a cabin on the side of a lake. Doesn't have, it looked like it didn't have any real facilities. It was tiny, just a bed and no maybe luxuries. a desk and a, and a kitchen. And he was just out in the elements living there and reading. And then writing down what he was learning and all the thoughts that came into his mind as he was. Mm. I mean, I'd love to do that, Genius. but it's, it's difficult with yeah. kids and yeah. getting away and, and having a week to myself. But when they move out, it'd be great to have, to have some time and you know, come up with some amazing ideas and um, do that sort of thing. Mm. Um, any business books? Oh, I've read a lot of business books. Mm-hmm. Any for me? Uh, good question. I, I can send you the list. Okay. I've got oh, a good. list of all 75. Maybe we should put that in the show notes. Yeah, happy to. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, I know it'd be difficult to do all of it, but maybe like the top five or something. Yeah, that's a good, good idea. Because, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, that'd be really useful, I think, because everyone, I think we all underestimate the power of what you can learn from any, reading a good book. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's refreshing, it's escapism, it's thought-provoking. It's One book I read every year is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Do you? By Rich Ke- yep. Richard Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki. Yep. Yeah. That's a great book, isn't it? And I find that's one that I, it's worth. I get different stuff out of reading it every December. It's unusual for you to read it too because it's 
it's it's sort of um, it slams education and sort of promotes yeah. hard work and entrepreneurialism, doesn't it? But yeah, the rich I, dad was educated and he yeah. was always no, sorry, the poor dad was educated and he was yeah. always poor. Yeah, but the other one was a hard worker and invested in things. Is that the moral yeah. of the story? And another one, which maybe is is related to business, but also related to change, mm. is the Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Wow. Can you give us an insight into what? It's about how just just doing the same thing over and over isn't going to give you any different result. You're doing, what is it, madness is doing the same thing. Yeah, but that you do need to change the way you think Okay. to have change. And it's about making that leap and making the change. Richest Man in Babylon. It was on, I read that too. Yeah, that is amazing, yeah. isn't it? I mean, every time you go to a seminar and someone's up on stage and they're saying, oh, what's the most- Impactful book? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a great read, but um, I think it's limited. But it is refreshing. Every, every time something goes wrong, I feel like, oh, why did I listen to that person to give me advice on some topic? I know, that they had nothing. Yeah. That was good from that point of view. And that's the other thing that Rich Dad put and talks about. He's like, if you do nothing- you can get all these advice from all these like armchair experts, and if you do nothing, nothing's going to change. No, he's big on making some bold decisions. Yeah, change, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're still on this book thing. Have you <laughs> read Barefoot Investor? Yes. What did you think? I love it. You love it. I am have you all got, about Scott Fape. Have you got the I want to interview him. <laughs> splurge card yeah, and all of that. I've got splurge written on mine. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then when I meet, oh, there you go. You, they stick out by, like, by a mile, it's don't they? It's got splurge okay, okay, on it, right, and then okay. that's the joint account. All right. I, I think that Barefoot Investor is amazing. Like, it gets everyone thinking about money and yeah. fees and debt and all that. I think that he falls down in property. Yeah, he's not really a big fan. Like, I know he's but then big he on investing. Farm, um, debt-free. And so how do you fit that into the equation? <gasps> and I'm in his Facebook group now. Oh, wow. And every second question is, so my husband and I have sat down and we've decided we're going to buy a property. And like, so what's, so what's the first step? What can people in the group Does recommend? Does Scott do anything in there or it's- He's never there. No, it's He's, more just, it's more like people answer each other's questions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And half the time they're getting the wrong advice. Yeah. But you get really passionate people providing answers and they think they're doing a great job. But And I think people love all of that. They're, they're not too worried that Scott's not answering their questions. They're just getting other people of like-minded to Scott answering <laughs> their questions. Okay, BFD. Yes. Business for Doctors. Yes. Can we talk about that, please? Sure. Um, what is BFD? Business for Doctors is a group. BFD, it is. You're right. That's what the logo says. Uh, it, it started as a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. It's only for doctors, so I'm not in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, started, but you have a lot to do with it. Yeah, started by Dr. April Armstrong. And do- I met April when we both won a Telstra Business Women's Award in 2015. We both met at the Nationals and she I remember she was in Adelaide. It must have been five years ago. So, you know, that was – it was very close to when that happened and she was in Adelaide. We were sitting in the mantra and she's like, I've just started this Facebook group. And I was like, okay. And she goes, you've got to, like, be part of it, like part of the people who help these doctors. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. Uh, and she sh- was showing me the number of people just adding themselves and it was like I think that's the first time I've ever really seen what going viral is mm. because- It literally went viral. It was. It started with, you know, one person. She mm. started it and 
we were watching the thousands of people being added. Like it really? was amazing. Yeah. I, I she was like, this is going to be something. And I just remember thinking, no, it's not. And then looking at it, it's like, wow, what mm. an amazing community. So there's 25,000 of them now. 25,000. She organises get-togethers and yeah. seminars and training camps. And so it's, um, I've been, I've, well, it's a funny story, but I sat in on one uh-huh. with a bank manager friend of mine. We got invited. In Adelaide. Yes, in Adelaide. Yes. It was um, in Highmarsh Square. Okay. Um, we went along and it was quite interesting, but she prepped us and she said, I've got approval from all the doctors that you can sit in on our meeting. Yeah, it's really like, like very excuse me? Um, doctors I thought we were like, only. fine, you know, welcome you with open arms. But we've we, we got this exclusive invite. Same. So we sat down in the corner. But the thing that I picked up from that is she just got up and spoke and she knew every Medicare co- code She's incredible. that there was. Yeah. And all these doctors in the audience hadn't like didn't have the same level of knowledge that she did. And she just overwhelmed them with her knowledge of what consult to charge when and um, when to do a care plan and mm. um, how to get the maximum amount of revenue out of your patient without breaking any of the rules mm. and with flying under the radar. I mean, I might be exaggerating and there's, there's no- um, Not doing anything dodgy. No, no, exactly. But she knew it back to front. Mm. And so now I know that she has a course because um, some of the doctors in one of the medical practices that I look after went and attended it and reported back and it was like, I don't know, Maybe three fifty for a member, seven hundred if you're not. But you go there, and she gets Get you up so to speed with all of that mm. Medicare stuff, which they didn't know about, and they're working in that industry. She just had such a high level of knowledge. I've never been able to break into the group. Well, because you're not a doctor. Well, no, because there's supplier, other accountants who are embedded as in that. Supplies. Yeah, yeah, right. Which is I'm fine with, but I'm always fascinated at this group because it it demonstrates to me the the thirst for business advice that the mm. doctors have. And that they and also that they support each other. Like I don't know that other professions are the same. Like that people want to grow together in business. They do. I feel like my profession, for example, is extremely competitive, mm. and I'm a lawyer. You expect that. Mm. I love that doctors are willing to learn how to grow their businesses all together. And, and support each other. Yes. Can we just get back to the lawyers being nasty to each other? Sure. I find that a major problem with your industry. <laughs> oh, with my industry. Well, I get dragged into it all the time. Why? Well, I, maybe I'm just CC'd in all these emails, but one lawyer against another lawyer, it is absolutely, it's two dogs Ugly. going hammer and tong at each other. And then from what I understand, you guys will do that all day and then go out and have a beer together at the pub together. And it's all cool. Yeah. You know? That's why in court we call each other. So-and-so's. <laughs> but do you, do you have that? Do you always go toe-to-toe with it's lawyers? True. And, That's true. Is it? Yeah. We call each other our friends. My learned friend. you've got to like just Show have respect. an intellectual argument. It's not personal, is the theory. But you're not a barrister, so you don't have to get up in front of everyone. and. I have, but I don't do anymore because I try and prevent people getting in dispute. So I started out as a dispute lawyer. In, in at, doing cases really? in court, but I hated the fighting all the time. I wanted to nice. help people prevent that fight because I've just seen it kill people's businesses. You're a helper, not a fighter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I find I it really- I want to protect people. I don't want to- I hate it. And and the, the fees in these battles- I know. It's and you're arguing over the most minute little items and 
Oh, I had an example last week. The, the guy said to me, Kim, I said, look, just let this go. You'll be so much. Because it was affecting his health. Yeah, not good. And he said, it's a matter of principle. No. When people <laughs> say that to you, run. <laughs> it's not true. It's a matter of principle until it costs $40,000 to settle a $400 dispute. <laughs> And then, maybe it's not about principal when it cost me $40,000. Exactly. I'll let the principal go. Like at what point are you willing to let the principal go? Mm-hmm. So you step in and preempt, well, sorry, you, you try to avoid that nasty confrontation. Yeah, like, so for example, mm-hmm. here's a good example of a matter that came through this week. We had, uh, so we also work with Allied Health as well. So we had a psychologist who had a junior psychologist do some stuff that she thinks she might need to report to APRA. Oh, my goodness. And I want her to call me as soon as that happens so I can mitigate any damage. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be her, her to be calling me once she's got the letter from APRA. Mm. You want to get in beforehand. And put a cap on it. Yeah. And then what will you do? Well, we'll write some letters. To? The employee. Yeah. And then we'll look to see whether or not she does need to report it to APRA okay. and properly advise her. She was having trouble with her insurer. They don't tell you. Mm-hmm. They tell you to get advice. Um, her professional association wasn't helping. So, you know, in those cases, we want to get it early and we want to get the letter out quickly. Do you get involved with the sort of, I don't know, medical negligence? No. At all? No. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, APRA is quite interesting in all of that. Like, they're- that they're actually, I see them, well, I've got one doctor at the moment that they're not happy with. Mm-hmm. He's been doing some stuff which is outside of the regular GP stuff and mm-hmm. they've come down on him like a ton of bricks and they're asking about this, that and the other. And it's quite interesting to watch it all unfold. Yeah. I mean, we're just on the side providing information. Is, but- are they, so what one thing I find with APRA is that if you get a communication from them mm-hmm. and either you or an advisor replies to them quickly in mm-hmm. a way where you're contrite, Terribly sorry, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. I'll immediately redress it, address mm-hmm. it. Um, they're incredibly good to deal with. And that's the same that's what they with want, most regulators. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They just want everyone to toe the line. If you've made a mistake, yeah. let's fix it, move mm-hmm. on, just don't do it again. And we've got another client that got a letter from APRA. <laughs> so this is like the late bit where they're a dentist and they had been using marketing methods which were outside APRA's guidelines. Uh, can, uh, and, you, can you elaborate on that? Uh, oh, so APRA has quite strict guidelines about how you you're do testimonials. You know how to endorse things. And, yeah, how, and, yeah, those sorts of things. Um, and so they were were, they they, were using influencer marketing, and people were saying things like, "My teeth have never been so, so perfect," and like the, promising an outcome is is not allowed in medical. Yeah, and was marketing. that was that on the dentist's website? Yeah, on their Insta. On the Instagram. And the website. You and know. so someone else had picked up on it Presumably and probably reported, reported it. it. Yeah, that's right. So that was a case where we just have to change things. But the dentist, understandably, wants to market their business. Yeah, so how do you do it? You can't do it like an ordinary business. Is there any way around it? There's that You're just understanding what the boundaries are and working within them is the way around it. So you can't say we're going to do an amazing job and we're better than the people down the road. You have to just sort of say, if you're going to do an Instagram, this is what we do. Yeah. Mm, something simple like that. Yeah, a and statement you can't of say fact. things like, As only a few appointments left. <laughs> <can't>. <laughs> no. <laughs> and if you make an offer, you have to have terms and conditions. Okay. 
So now with the BFD conferences and things like that, do yeah. you, are you I, I presume you're a bit of a guest speaker. I am a guest speaker. And what are some of the topics you get up on stage and talk about? Sure. So I talk about like five ways to protect your practice legally. Okay. Talk about uh, how to use social media in a way that's not going to get up or on your back. <laughs> it's an interesting one. I talk about what's... Um, yeah, those sort of like director's duties. So okay. doctors often run their practice through a company, like talking about what their risks are um, in addition to being a doctor for running mm-hmm. a company. They're the sort of things, managing risk. Okay. And uh, like I guess you're away for a few days and you interact with a lot of doctors. Yeah. And yeah, it's quite a nice, enjoyable yeah, yeah so this year at the BFD conference, I'm the MC for the award ceremony. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Just going from strength to strength. <laughs> That's great. Where is the conference? Uh, in Melbourne. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> That's great. Have you been an MC before? I have not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Only at weddings. <laughs> uh, well, not just BFD, but you're also involved in EO. Yes. Adelaide. Tell us about that. Some sort of entrepreneurs yes, organization. It's a global not for profit mm-hmm. called the Entrepreneurs or Member Based Business, that organization that helps entrepreneurs work better. Um, and now, is this the organization where you've got to turn over something like a million dollars US? So that's a hell of a benchmark, <laughs> isn't it? It's a good benchmark. Well, everyone's quite well healed that's going to these sorts I of shows. That, that's not necessarily the case. It sort of depends on your profit. Turnover doesn't <laughs> they can relate be making a loss, but to profit. That. <laughs> that's right. Um, so it's more about that when your business has that turnover, you have the same mindset issues in your business as well. Okay. Like you've got a certain number of staff, you've got a certain issue with premises, you've got all those kind of business things you can help each other with. You're using the same software programs. Is this, because I think it's split, isn't it? You're, there's a group that work with under 40s and then, then there's over 40s, isn't there? That's YPO. YPO. Is that similar organisation or different camp? It's Not different. related at all. So with EO, you have to be a like shareholder and founder, mm. whereas YPO has execs in it as well. Okay. And did you get invited into that as a mentor? I started in EO as an accelerator. So when I very first started my business, when you have a turnover of between 250k up, mm. uh, and they give you the tools to grow. grow. Wow. Yeah. So that was why we grew so quickly, I think. So you started as the student and became the teacher. I'm not really, it's not really a teacher. It's like peer to peer learning rather than oh, teaching. But okay. My, Could, yeah. But they do have mentors in that as well, don't they? Yeah. But Could. okay. So you're just meeting with like-minded people and networking yeah. and, okay. And do they have many people in Adelaide as part yeah, of Yeah, about 65. Okay. And Australia-wide? I don't know how many Australia-wide. But you went to some get-together with them I saw on Facebook in France? Yeah. So I'm on a global committee for EO. So it's a member run as well. So I'm the APAC governance chair. So, so But if, hang on. Let's just, sorry, let's just stop for a yeah. moment. How did you go from being- A member. A member- to being a member leader. Member leader yeah. on a global. Yeah, so it was a work, worked up, I suppose. <laughs> you paid your dues uh, and you got promoted? Uh, yeah. Yes, I applied for roles and mm. was accepted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
It's a common theme here, isn't it? <laughs> they, people like having someone like you that's a role model, that's a leader, that, you know, is at the front, forefront of all of these sorts of organisations or at a board level. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's You're getting learning. used to it now. It's good learning. It's oh. not always fun. You know? Hard work. It's, yeah. People, you have to deal with all the stuff people do. You've got to read through all the minutes and notes there's, and there's have something to contribute when you catch up so that you're not just sitting in the corner. Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, okay. Well, is there anything else? I've got to the end of my questions. No, oh, no. Now you're <laughs> going to ask me what should you have asked. That's the question I was going to ask. Are there any questions that I should have asked you that I haven't? No. No, I don't <laughs> think so. That's fine. What would I say to 18-year-old Sarah? Oh, yes. <laughs> we have a tearjerker on our hands here. <laughs> is there anything you'd give advice to young Sarah? I think... Um, I think it's really important to listen to your intuition, mm. even though that sounds a little bit kind of woo-woo, but that you need to have give yourself space to kind of listen to it and not just jump from thing to thing, be yeah. guided you just, by. Yeah. I, I know I sort of I think I know where you're going with that, but is it like you need to be true to yourself? Yeah, I think so, and not. Yeah, but, yeah, your core. Yeah, I find that, like, that. well, for me it's I might not want to do something that everyone's doing because it doesn't fit right with me mm. from a sort of, you know, um, like a um, it's not what I'm here for. And sometimes that can be hard. So I guess an example mm. which isn't may not sit well with you either of something that my husband and I have recently decided to do that's very different from what everyone else is doing mm-hmm. is after reading The Barefoot Investor and Robert Kiyosaki's book, we sold our holiday house and we sold our home and we bought a smaller home, which is the opposite of what everyone else who is my age is doing. Mm-hmm. So we would have money to invest in the asset column mm. okay and bring our personal overheads down so you don't have to work as hard so i can well the idea is that we'll be able to retire in the next 5 to 10 years wow by doing by just doing the opposite of what everyone else is doing but i find it like when my friends buy houses with tennis courts and pools and stuff I go to David. I'm just like, are you sure we're doing the right thing? Was it your idea? His idea? Well, it's we sort of came to it by me reading these books and saying, why don't you read them and we'll talk about what we got out of them. And what we got out of them was we were just spending a fortune on rates for a house we didn't attend very much anymore <laughs> since the kids were at school and they had birthday parties every weekend and those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And... When we bought that house, there was no Airbnb, mm-hmm. but now there were opportunities to get away. Oh, I see. That yes. didn't have a half a million dollar commitment for something that wasn't growing either. Wow. So, so that's what I mean. Like, you know, it, it can be hard to do things that are different to what other people are doing. Mm, mm, mm. 
Um, and, and you're happy that that's all tracking in the right direction? We love our new house. Right. So, yes. That's a good decision. Yes. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's it's actually really refreshing to hear that because um, I'm on the completely other end of the spectrum. I know. That's why I was like, should no. I tell you about this? <laughs> no, but I, but I but how's that? Like, I can actually see the benefit in it. And sometimes I, I there's a really small component of me that thinks, hey, wouldn't that be amazing to not have a mortgage? Mm. You know, and if I wanted to take six months off and travel through the Amazon or whatever, I could. I can't at the moment. There's, yeah, different types of freedom, I suppose. I think that we're still going to end up in the same place, yeah. but we're going to take a different route. Yeah. You know, because I want to retire young too. Yeah. But I'm going like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> to sort of do it in a different way. But at the end of the day, everyone's going to have a great life living in Australia. We've I know, won the lottery. We are so lucky. And, um, yeah, it, it's like even the people that are on the dole don't really have that much different lifestyle to what we have and they've got time. So there's a there's a Maybe there's less a trips to France. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, um, Sarah, this has been an amazing chance to sit down and go through all of this with you. Thanks for being my guest today. You're welcome. Um, I've learned a lot more about you today than I expected. Knew <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> and we've got a lot in common. Um, it's been really good. So thanks ever so much. Thank you.